0: I asked you to pick a song that captures the process of getting black sunday published and you picked and it could make gold yeah. he has this
1: song called and it's just. I...
0: Um, I... Welcome to Books and Rhymes, the podcast that celebrates the joy of reading by flipping the script with a musical twist on your favorite books. I invite guests to pair books with songs or albums that spark the same emotional connection. I'm your host, Sarah. It was African in the diaspora with a deep abiding love for the written word. Join me as I take you on a musical journey through the works of new and classic authors. Today's guest is Tola Rotimi Abraham, whose debut novel Black Sunday has been shortly set for the 2020 Kirkus Prize for Fiction. Black Sunday is a coming-of-age novel set in Lagos, Nigeria. It tells the story of a fractured family coming to terms with an unexpected loss. We use the music of Adekunle Gold, Tenny the Entertainer, Mama Josie and more to discuss consent in hyper-patriarchal societies, the inevitable emotional weight of rewriting and editing traumatic scenes, and linguistic misnomers in the depiction of localized customs in literature published in the West. The playlist of songs curated by Tola is available via link in the show notes. Continue the conversation by posting your thoughts on this episode on Twitter and Instagram by tagging us at Books and Rhymes or use the hashtag. Books and Rhymes. Do me a huge, huge favor. Subscribe to Books and Rhymes, the podcast, if you haven't done so already. Rate, 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 and leave a positive review of the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and everywhere you listen to your podcast. Please, it helps more people discover the podcast. And more importantly, it helps them engage with insightful, incisive, and great conversations about good literature. Enjoy the episode. Hello Tola, welcome to your episode of Books and Rhymes, the podcast. Hey! So I usually always ask this question of every guest. How do you pronounce your full name, please? My name is Tola Rotimi Abraham. I've got a confession to make. When I read the first page of Black Sunday, I thought, oh, this reminds me of Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie's Purple Hibiscus. You make these sort of assumptions when you first open up a book and then... I read the book and realized that, mm, oh girl, you made an error. This is not like popular biscuits. It is so very different. I think also because Chimamanda is the popular writer at the moment. So I think the lazy conclusion to draw to is to make a direct connection between Black Sunday and Chimamanda from the first page. So I just want to say to the listeners and people like me who are quick to jump to conclusions that Black Sunday, it's a great book, but it's different.
1: That's something that I would not, not have, I would not have thought of. Even though I really love um, Chimamanda's books and I, I think most of um, African writers are truly indebted to her, even in terms of style and the greater visibility that we have gotten in the last few years. But I would never have thought that uh, from the first couple of pages that it will feel familiar. But I'm glad that, I mean, it, there was something to draw from that it wasn't an entirely new um, genre of book
0: for you, I think. Yeah. I think also the fact that you kind of think of the father as being domineering. So it's a very, um, it's an easy and holding myself, putting my hands up, lazy um, uh, conclusion to draw. But there are, you know, like you said, um, there are connections to other existing books and I really enjoy that. And I was like, ah, it's just my to draw I'm Like, Oh my goodness. Uh, maybe that's just me once again, trying to make connections. <laughs> I think I'm just like, ah, connections, connections. Ah, see books I know. Ah, you know. So let's get cracking. Books and Run the Podcast is a podcast where I invite guests to pair books with songs or albums that spark the same emotional connection. I asked you to pick a book or a story that inspired Black Sunday. And I asked you to pick a song that captures the book or story. And you picked. We
1: Need New Names by No Violet Bulawayo because... It's just this book where I think it's similar to Black Sunday in that we have a child narrator who is going through tough times and, you know, and we kind of follow a journey from when she's a child to when she's a teenager living in Detroit, Michigan. that, That was a book that I think is very connected to Black Sunday. And when I was thinking about a good way to write with the voice of a Child narrator, it was a good book to reference. And for a song, there's a song that I really like, I don't even think it's related, but it's childish and playful. It's the South African girl Show Majosi. She has the song John Cena. She's like, You know, I want to act like John Cena. I, I, mean
2: don't <laughs> I don't know why you like a criminal. Hey we were just together though on the same line Why are a president though some wanna act rough like john cena some wanna get buff like john cena he used to be cool and he used to come to now you wanna act
0: tough like john cena I'm up.
1: i have no idea why i think he
0: goes i just think he goes it just goes there is a childlike joy in the song I think John Cena takes us back to well me especially back to my childhood growing up watching wrestling. Wrestling, yes. With- <laughs> And then trying to replay or trying to um, replicate the moves that we saw and fighting over who is Hulk Hogan, who is The Undertaker, who is The British Bulldog. And there is sort of that camaraderie. I know you said that there is no um, direct relation, but why is John Cena the song that sort of came to your mind immediately? And what do you think John Cena the song says about Black Sunday and how does it open up or introduce readers to a different way of engaging and, and seeing and reading black
1: sunday i'm um, sure so some of the things people have told me reading black sunday that is that it's a sad song but it's it has like some moments that are just unbelievably funny i think that this song justina is kind of like a breakup song but is just somebody just so committed to making a laugh out of it by any means possible and there's also the fact that you know justina is a wrestler and um uh, as as young children, again, I, I wonder maybe that's why wrestling was so popular in um, townships in South Africa or also even in Nigeria when I was growing up. But there's just something about the dramatized violence of wrestling that can be oddly comforting for children who grow up in places where real violence is real. I mean, where, you know, everyday violence is real. Uh, so, yeah, so, so that's that's what I was
0: thinking when I chose this song. You mentioned We Need New Names by Nova Violet Bul- Bulawayo, which is written from the perspective of a young child. And it's a different take on an adventure novel. We think of Western adventure novels as young people just going on, the, on a journey of discovery, whatever it is, right? You just go somewhere and they encounter new things. So Black Sunday, the book. To me, it's a surprising story in that you write the Nigeria-America relationship in a different way, where usually when we read popular fiction or contemporary African fiction, we read the story of the person who has travelled to the West and we hear that person's narrative. We follow the person's migration, the process that it went through, getting the visa, thinking and preparing for their life abroad. But in Black Sunday... We get a different story of a person who just disappears. We Need New Names directly speaks to America. And Black Sunday directly speaks to America. But where we need new names, there is a preparation. You can see that this young person is looking for an escape. She's telling the readers why she needs to leave this place. In Black Sunday, there is a break and a character disappears and we're left as the readers to see how those left behind respond to this almost rapture of this person who plays an integral role in the family. What inspired you to write this story? We're seeing as it is your debut, why this particular story and how long had you been ruminating on it before you thought, ah, I need to memorialize this as a book?
1: It came from a personal place for me first of all, because I'm a parent and when i came to america for the first time i didn't come with my with my child and so there was a lot of guilt and a lot of fear and you know you're paranoid and also because when i was growing up and i think it's the same for anyone who grew up uh, middle class or in almost every any african city we knew those kids whose parents had gone with the promise to send for them and there were those who were lucky. That their parents sent for them or that they had um kind caregivers and, and you know those who didn't have that and, and what it what it looked like so i think in the beginning the story was about me um trying to remember what it was like to be a child in the 90s in, in Lagos, but also it was was me trying to write uh, my guilt onto the page this evil mother who runs away because she, she's trying to uh, make life better for herself. So, But when you start writing a book, where you start, hopefully, is not where you end, because it's a journey in itself. And so the characters just took over. And um, like you said, it's an adventure story in reverse. It's a coming-of-age story. And immigration is such a big question, and, and it's also an answer, It's such a big theme in African novels and I felt like we weren't looking enough at the other side of immigration or or the spaces between the waiting between when you are legal and when you're illegal or the waiting. I'm actually even now working on another story which is um, spouses which is you know the journey that happens when one spouse leaves and another one is is in uh, Nigeria and it's it's a long distance marriage which um, I've, I've met somebody who was Russian uh, was talking to me about Black Sunday and she was like oh my god I could I could relate with those kids because even in my country we have these children who are waiting for their parents and I thought it was it was a very um, it's a global story I think um, for me so so it was important to tell that story but I, I really like to think that it was more than um, a story about what happens to the kids when somebody, when a parent leaves. Um, I think it's more than that. It's, it's, it's more about what happens to a family when they fall on our times and, and the children learn to survive by any means necessary.
0: It's interesting you talk about um, the guilt of the parent who goes, who leaves the children behind. It is a book written with multiple perspectives. So in this family, there are four children. They tell their respective stories. For me, the story sort of opens up when they live, when they go and live with a grandmother. We're going to talk about the grandmother later. <laughs> We're going to talk about relationships later because I thought you did something very interesting with the grandmother. I was intrigued at how you approach the conversation between diaspora nigerians so nigerians who have lived abroad and continental nigerians so nigerians who live in nigeria how there are some exaggerations about the quality of life abroad versus the quality of life at home and how it seemed as if one of the children was being placed in a position of having to choose between home and abroad could you or could you Talk a bit about that, about your intention behind that particular depiction and representation. I ask that because usually in the positioning of continental Africa versus diaspora Africa, America is usually positioned as a land of opportunities. There is a particular dialogue that happens that you know we you use to expose these thought processes. So why did you choose to use this character this character? to open up this conversation between between the diaspora and the continent and what was your intention in this particular dialogue?
1: Thank you, that is that is an excellent question actually. I think first of all, it, it happened organically for me um, because it was just one of those things where um, if this conversation happens, um, I think it, it, I knew the character was more likely to speak about how, we, how Um, they feel instead of internalizing it or acting it out Uh, and and also but it was it it was also something that again maybe it's just the books that I've read but I find it missing in the way we talk about migration even though um, I haven't met anyone from any country that wasn't in in the west that isn't constantly thinking about the opportunity cost of immigration right it's there's it's a tremendous opportunity when you travel abroad but there's also a cost to it i find that a lot of literature just paints it as as you get rescued like everyone is waiting in a refugee camp and then you get rescued to a better life in the west which happens for for a lot of people but um surviving especially as an older immigrant it's a kind of it's another different journey on its own and And the fact that uh, we had this young child able to verbalize that, I didn't think it was strange because it's also stuff that I was thinking of when I was that age and I knew my friends were thinking about, but it was also connected to um, the trauma of the place your parents left you for. And so it's also a conversation on um, um, the post-colonial legacy in African countries, right? So... Uh, colonialism has sold um europe and america to us and we've bought it and but also now um, there's a generation coming along that thanks to social media and tv and everything are, be- are beginning to puncture that um colonial myth about the fact that there is a land of equal opportunity or equal freedoms or or or, 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 or you know or equal harmony and and, and all those things so it's more of a conversation between Africans forcing us to tell each other the truth about um, what it's like to live in Africa and to migrate as an African, especially illegally. If immigration and family separation happen at the same time, it just makes sense that the resentment of being separated from your family will be looped up with your feelings of immigration and um. I just think that it's completely realistic that a bunch of kids or a bunch of fam, uh, of people, there's a generation of children in Africa that are not that excited about um, immigration. I think. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank.
0: Ask us to pick a song that captures the process of writing Black Sunday, and you pick. I pick, oh God. (laughs) I think that,
1: (laughs) what's funny is that I was just trying to think about what stage in my life I was then when I was writing this book, because I'm not a very big music person. Like um, I'm the kind of person who only go look for a song if I maybe see it on social media, you know. So I think there's this song that is like the TikTok song, <laughs> that "Surrender" by Natalie Taylor. That is just, you know, every time you know these TikTok videos where they're just anything art world happening, the song is playing in the background. We let the I really liked it is that it was it was I think it captures how I felt when I was writing Black Sunday in in that I was so desperate to um, make room for myself so it's not like there was any I was I would think that like maybe writing or literature is the love of my life and uh, I had waited way way too long to write anything and And when I was writing this book, I wasn't in the best place um, financially, emotionally, but I was still making space for myself to pursue um, this dream. And so that's why I I really like that song about um, when you love um, whatever it is you love. I know it's supposed to be like a relationship song, but for me, it's, it's about making space for the things you love
0: and and just trusting that, um, that it will take you to where it's supposed to take you to. You mentioned that, um, that at the time you were writing Black Sunday wasn't a particularly easy time for you. So the question I want to ask is, what were your strategies and processes of managing your desire to write whilst being in a place where it seemed like you having the freedom to give yourself to writing as you would like?
1: Oh, uh, Yeah. <laughs> The process, (laughs) you know, process questions are are really difficult to answer because um, each day something else gets you out of bed, right? So I think that for me, it was just remembering my why. And um, when you're an African writing an African book, your why won't be money, it won't be fame, it won't be... Anything else that draws people to literature, it will be the fact that I wanted to write a story about Lagos, about Nigeria, about being African, about being an African woman with a Christian, that anyone who had had those similar experiences will pick up the book and not feel al- alienated from the subject because so many times you pick up a book about especially Nigeria, and you you know that the audience isn't you, the Nigerian who lived through this, especially all those books that claim um, to be trying to humanize the characters. And for me, I find that very alienating because nobody needs to humanize me or the people I grew up with. To me, I already know what we are and who we are. Um, I'm looking for somebody to give me insight into, okay, this is the set of things that happened growing up. Maybe this is why you are who you are today. I really think that there's a real gap. There's a big gap between um, in books being published, especially because you've got to really publish um, in America or Europe. I want, I want to read more writers saying, you know what? I do not care if... Um, other audiences are comfortable. Believe that if they find the world believable, or if they can immerse themselves in this world, I want more Africans, more Black people, more Nigerians to be able to see and to get a sense of nostalgia and to reminisce when they pick books that are talking about their lives or are, uh, you know, based where they grew up in and. And I realized that most people who are not Nigerians do not really know how bad it is. They don't know, they can't relate to the feeling of dissolution. When you pick up the story that's supposedly set in Lagos and you're like, I do not recognize this Lagos. It doesn't feel familiar to me at all. And So that was my why. And I, and I think that that kept me grounded, even though it wasn't, it wasn't the best of times. Um, and as a person in Nigeria living in America, it seemed like a waste of opportunity in some way, and because you know everyone comes to this country to become a nurse or a nurse's aide or a doctor or something <laughs> that you earn money quickly, and and so 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 I I'm hoping that I begin to feel, um, sometimes soon that it was worth it. But when I was writing it, that's. I I kept um, thinking about why I needed to write a book that was like this. And that's that's what got me through um, the process of writing.
0: You've talked about the desire to write the authentic Lagos story, the relatable Lagos story, a nostalgic Lagos story. And you also talked about the compulsion to write a book that depicts your reality. So there's a lot of realism, or rather it seems like you are motivated by this desire to present social realism, cultural realism that you believe is absent in contemporary literature about Nigeria, because the book is set in Nigeria, so we've been very specific here. As a writer, why do you feel this compulsion to document social reality in your writing? I say that because I'm asking, do African writers, and I I use that phrase because you um, you have identified yourself in the conversation as an African writer. Do African writers have the freedom to write just about anything? I say this because I I bought a book about a man, um, written by a man, and the book is just about dandy lifestyle. And it's talking about how, yes, I'm a dandy. Random, so random. But he had the freedom to write a random book. And as a reader, I have the freedom to read a random book and just be random and eclectic in this random eclectic book. But this man is white American and there is some sort of freedom that he has um, this idea that America has multitude of story you can be subversive you can be imaginative you can be you know um. so my question then is as an African writer Why did you feel that compulsion to document reality in your book? And do you feel that you have the freedom? It could not just be you. It could also be you speaking about the African literary landscape or the the room given to African writers in general. Do you think that you have the freedom to write just about anything? And what are the probability of getting published when you write the when you write the absurd, <laughs> not absurd in terms of emotionala, the absurd in terms of a work that does not conform to popular fictional discourse of African experiences. You know, what freedom do you think think you have in that respect?
1: Well, okay, um, this is this is a loaded question. So I'm gonna like <laughs> split it into two things. So I think what I was talking about earlier is 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 not as much realism versus you know fabulism or speculative fiction as much as um what what's your imagined primary audience as a writer and this detects what you come what you feel the need to explain maybe um the way to think about it will be um what the wide gaze in the way that it's if my um if my my characters are eating akara and ogi for breakfast. I do not feel the need to explain what akara or an ogi is, or to give it a different uh, a name that would help Western audiences imagine it, right? And so, so, so it doesn't matter if my story is about um, a woman who changes into a tiger every midnight, and you know, all and all that, or or if it, if it's about a woman who lost a job and is sad i don't think it's it's the aboutness of the story that i'm talking about i'm talking about whose comfort comfort within the story do you prioritize and i and i felt for a very long time there's a need to write and it's not even about comfort it's about curiosity whose curiosity uh as a writer, are you trying to satisfy? Because I think non-Western audiences would have curiosities that are very tied to things like setting. Um, they want you to describe the landscape, you know, in a kind of touristy way. I know, again, this is me just generalizing, but I feel like it's it's there's something different between the way I will describe Lagos to somebody who I expect grew up in um, in Lagos or somewhere familiar, the things I will focus on will not be the mundane, the every single thing that happens that day just to exotify the place. Right? I will focus on what's strange even in an unfamiliar city. And, and so 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 that's the first part of the question. The the fact that I do not think African writers, whatever their genre they write in, are have enough leverage or uh, economic power right now to write in a way that it, without um, prioritizing non-African audiences. So that's the first part. The second part is the compulsion to, to um, for social commentary and and, and, and so. so, so I, I'm a really big believer in knowing what it is you do well and doing that. And so I do not think that um, every writer, whether they're African or European, I don't think every writer can write very well, uh, can write an interesting story about social issues. I I think that um, you can actually have a political story that isn't rooted in realism if that's what you want. But for me, and with this book, it was just what I found interesting to write about right now. Um, so but but I really like that you said um that you want to see more um the multiplicity of African stories is something I'm looking forward to as well in the future. I really do not want any African writer who is reading Black Sonic to think, is this what I have to write about to get published? Absolutely not. Please write about something funny and happy and not and not as sad as and traumatizing as this book. Please do that. Uh, so 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 yes that's that's a very very good question and you know there's so much we can have an entire panel discussion about this this topic Uh, and and so you are absolutely right about the fact that we really should be leaning towards a multiplicity of African stories right now uh, as opposed to every single person trying to to write social and political commentary. I think.
0: Yeah, I think also maybe I'm being quite selfish in my um in in asking that question because as a reader, right? As one who wants to read more stories, like you said, stories that remind you of home, stories that are familiar, stories that center people who look sound or you know have textures that you are familiar with, it can get quite taxing when you read, you just constantly are consuming realism and um am and so which is why I was you know I was asking a question about and I and I'm really interested in this about the freedom that the publishing landscape gives African writers to be whimsical that's what I'm looking for to write a whimsical book that has literally it's like why does this book exist I don't know but it's random, it's ridiculous, but I'm going to commission it because I like random and ridiculous stuff, you know? That's why I asked that question. And I don't know, do you have any thoughts on it?
1: <laughs> I, you know, I, I read um, Ellen o- Oyeyemi's books, and I'm like, this is this is wonderful. This is just, there's just something very liberating about reading books like this, and actually, um, I teach MFA classes, and this semester I'm teaching a book on speculative fiction, and um, and it's that's just to say that I'm a big fan of every anything that is in um, realism. I'm, I like fantasy, fabulism, science fiction. You know, just whatever name it. Right. I haven't honestly. I haven't tried to get published um, in. Generous. so I, I do not know but I want to believe that there's room for it just based on some of the um, um I think Tade Thompson, even Nnedi uh, Okorafor, uh, some of those writers who, are, who I'm seeing their, their books um, gain traction in the world um again of course whatever you're doing you've got to do it well and maybe it's not as much as um, writers not being interested in writing this the the whimsical and wonderful and wild as opposed to there isn't a lot of um, training for writers who are trying to write in, in this journal in in Africa so um, maybe, maybe that's what it is because um you know that to get published as a as as a as a continental african um in the west you've got to really really uh, be solid we don't get so many as many chances as everyone else so maybe that's what it is um is the fact that people aren't turning in finished um well-rounded well-thought-out stories in this genre i don't know i'm not i don't want to be in the position where i'm defending publishing god no (laughs) I mean, we 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 all saw that 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 trend on uh, on Twitter publicly paid media. Yeah, so I'm sure there's probably um, deep resistance to to African stories in that regard. But also, I'm hoping that writers discover their voices super early, and then they commit to finishing a, a book. That's it. If you, if you write the book, and then have you know. One thousand people look at it and then send it to an agent. I
0: think. <laughs> so, um, speaking of um, craft, writing, getting published, I asked you to pick a song that captures the process of getting Black Sunday published, and you picked Adekunle Gold. Yeah. He has this song called
1: E-way,
0: and it's just. I, um, I, yeah. Yeah.
1: you were at the ground that's what I found when I took the ride I realized the mountain I've been climbing is nothing but I knew I didn't know I already had the answers no I didn't know there's a line where it says um, I found that what I, I, I was searching for it's already at home, I think. And yes, even though I live, I, of course, I live in America now, and I got published in the West. It feels to me, in a way, kind of bitter sweet that uh, I and and maybe I'm just, <laughs> but I, I I I started to think about I could have written this book in Nigeria and published it here. If I was still a Nigerian based in Nigeria. And even if I couldn't do that, oh my god, I wish I could. And so I don't think that we we you should need to uproot your life and reinvent yourself just for the chance to be a working writer. And so maybe that's that's why I'm drawn to to this um, song E Ray by It's a story about somebody, you know, looking for greener pastures abroad and coming back home to Africa and realizing that Africa really has um, everything you could want.
2: Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer.
0: That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. When reading Black Sunday, there were some phrases and expressions that I I I saw I it had me thinking about um, the audience. I always when I'm reading books, I'm I'm conscious of two things, especially books by African writers. And you know the politics of um, race in the west having been around you know uh, functioning within the literary sphere you can have some ideas about the negotiation that people have to make and concessions that people have to make even though they're not explicit you can sort of pick it out when you're reading um, a book and so when i was reading black sunday i i thought to myself okay that this book is written about nigeria it's sent it's written about lagos more specifically it's a, a book that is set in lagos um it has uh reaches to abuja And it also reaches to America and and it reaches to unknown and unnamed places. But the, the book is predominantly set in Lagos. Mostly the book, the conversations are happening indoors. You know, people are talking to each other or they're reflecting or they're engaging with each other. And so there are certain words that are used that I think, oh, okay, these are not Nigerian phrases right and when i think about the history of nigeria that nigeria has closer links to britain than it does to america for example referring to sweets as candy and also to to defecate as poop so poop is a very american phrase for (laughs) you know when i was growing up it was oh i want to or you know or i want to what i want to excuse myself if you're very bougie (laughs) So we find euphemism for certain words and there are certain specific words and phrases that you use that were very American that jolted me out of the Nigerian-ness of the story and the geographical location of the book. What, what choice did you make? Um, were they conscious choices or were you... Consciously aware of the Western audience that are reading the book. The, the point I made while I reading the book and when I was conscious of these linguistic misnomers, <laughs> you know, the phrase that came to my mind was the economics of negotiating getting published and the economics of negotiating your wider audience by wider audience i mean a writer in the west knowing that the people who are going to primarily access the work because the book was first published in america so the first people who are going to first access your work are based in america so how does that feed into your choice of words and your choice of language so that sort of politics of the subconscious insertion of alien words alien phrases into one's writing about a localized culture so it's like a culture clash taking place how much of the publishing negotiation plays into this
1: oh wow <laughs> loaded question
0: <laughs> welcome <laughs> welcome to books and rhymes welcome to my questioning
1: <laughs> I, 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 I will take the blame for any linguistic misnomers as you say I'll, I'll take i'll take um the blame i think it's it's my is the america is the influence of america on me and and i guess it's something that if my book was first of all edited outside america somebody would have picked up but um i'm thinking now that all those things that you you speak about candy and poop they might just be the way the that that's the americanization of my brain for some and and i'm hoping that the the it was it was just a very very tiny uh almost insignificant part of the book for that for that reason but there were there were things that and my publishers um were wonderful my my editor was great um he's actually british and so so the way i didn't have to fight too hard about um the, of course there were some things that you know were like are you sure this is what this means or this is isn't there a different way to say this? And I'll be like, no, this is uh, this is Nigeria. This is what we say. Um, yes, and and of course because it was it wasn't a book where I was trying to do any big um, linguistic experiments. I think, um, and, and so there wasn't so much struggle um, in that regard. Of course of course, there was a lot of editing responses about, I really can't see what's happening in this scene. Can you explain it differently? And so I had to step outside of familiar space and think about it from somebody who was unfamiliar. And it will happen in, I think, whatever type of writing you were were doing. Um, The the feedback and the editing um, will let you know if it's something that if you have what you have put down on page is actually what you think you've put down. So yes I, I think it also it depends on the publisher it depends on what you what you' are trying to achieve. And so the language of, of Black Sunday was not was not my big experiment. I, I, I don't think I took uh, um, any risks actually with, with Black Sunday again because I the world I'm, I'm picturing is one is one that is solidly, Uh, very strongly um, Yoruba and so I, I just felt like it was my job to create a kind of language that was like universal but also was very very solidly influenced so I wasn't trying to do like a literal translation every time someone was speaking Yoruba but to write in English that was very 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 influenced by um the by by uh, the urbanness of the people who use who are using english so so it was so it wasn't it wasn't experimental. I really tried to to just write um uh, the way I think Nigeria and maybe what I remember <laughs> about Nigeria sounding like
0: so, <laughs> yeah. Do you know what? Language is, is Is something that I can't, Do you know how the, I don't know if you do the same when you're reading books, you find that you pick, there is a, there's a thread of things that you just can't help picking up when you're reading. And language is one of those things for me. And thank you so much for being candid and for just sort of um, situating us in, in your writing space and your mental space when you're writing this book. But inhabiting two places and writing about a place where you are in t- where you are exiled from, not exiled in the political sense of the word, but exiled in the sense that you're not there anymore, right? You're writing about a place that you you're very familiar with. You're, that place is home within and without It is, It's home to you. But you're writing about that place in exile, in absentia how is that what is that process like for you as a writer are you immersed in that location when you are writing so let's say you've written you've written this immersive scene about lagos and you're in america after that scene where are you when you're writing this scene and where are you after you come out this scene is it like a oh my goodness i was just in the sun and now it's cold what's happening uh and how do you how do you recenter yourself uh, after that
1: yeah. that's that's Another really great question and I'm, I have to think about it. I, I'll say that writing from all, I think all writing is either, all writing is imagination influenced by memory. So even if you, you're writing what is known as um, strictly realist, um, realism or speculative fiction, it's you're still influenced by both your memory and your imagination. Uh, and so it was very, very much that for me. I think so in some um chapters I leaned more heavily on memory. But I would like to believe that most of it was imagination. So even though I was writing about a place familiar to me, I had to create the world and, and, and see it in my mind's eye and see and, and, and see it as believable uh and, and and immerse myself in it and then put something down on, on, on the page. And so, so so the writing process for me is, I, I really do not start writing. I spend a lot of time in my own head thinking about stuff, and I do not start writing until I can see it. So if um, the, the story happens with a conversation, or it happens with two people, um, the first time somebody meets um, a potential lover um, at a bus stop, I've got to be able to see the scene in my mind's eye, and even though um, I don't think everything I see will end up on the page, but I, I have to see it first. So, so, so that's what it is for me. And and the language, of course, with the way it ends up on the page, that's another, that's an entire different story, uh, because again, it's 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 influenced by by memory and and and, and imagination. I think there's something rather disconcerting about writing a book that's completely and totally set in Nigeria while while you live in America. You kind of um trick yourself into into believing you're in Nigeria for a few minutes of the day. And then when you're done, you're like, oh, okay, I'm back. <laughs> that's <for you>. still <laughs> <And so, laughs> so, yeah, so, so so yeah it's a strange world we live in as writers,
0: thinking of um taking putting yourself in a world and taking yourself out of it, Black Sunday has a very it's it's it is not a complicated read. it is the brain doesn't have to do much, right? Um, the reader is able to follow the story all the way to the end, But the subject matter is quite difficult. Some of the experiences of the characters are quite difficult to engage with, more specifically, sexual violence against women. And there are also touches of domestic violence as well. How is it as a woman to write these scenes? How do you, as a woman writer, how do you imagine that? Because I'm discomfited as a reader, and I'm reading this in, what, a few hours or a few minutes, reading a a scene in a few minutes. It's like I want to get into your mind. How do you process yourself out of these traumatic incidents that you're writing and why was it important to write these women characters this way because black Sunday begins with there were many easy ways to be a stupid girl in Lagos we were not stupid girls and that's alluding to the negotiations that women have to make at the hands of predatory men and these statements are being made by young women do you see the ways in this the ways in which these two sentences, it's like a recurring line throughout the book. Stupid girls not behaving like stupid girls. Who are stupid girls? What makes a stupid girl? How does a clever girl find herself in a situation where she is either considered a stupid girl by outsiders or she condemns herself as a stupid girl? How do you write this? How do you get yourself out of it? How do you extricate yourself from these, in my opinion, traumatic situations and why? or what were the processes you went through to fashion the women's agency?
1: You know, it's very difficult to talk about these things um, to, 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 to a general audience because there's just some things, there's, there's a, um, the overwhelming nature of patriarchy in Nigeria, in Africa. It's like the story of the the frog in, in cold water that you slowly turn turn the eat up. I think that I could only write this with such, should I say clarity, because I had been removed from Nigeria. And when I came to America, I realized that this constant push, this constant, um, all the ways that men continually insist on invading your life and invading your private space was not normal. It's so, so, so it was, I think taking, first of all, it was possible for me to write it because I wasn't, I was no longer the, the frog in, in the steady boiling water. Now I have been removed from that situation. And I could remember um, from when I was as young as, as these girls are at the start of the book. So when I left Nigeria, it was, it, it was almost impossible for me to 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 avoid this constantly having to negotiate um you you were whether or not you liked it if you're um if you're a woman you're in the sexual marketplace uh and and then so i began to think of has power in the sexual marketplace uh, how, how, how do you negotiate sexuality in the face of unremitting patriarchy and these girls by virtue of their youth and parental abandonment, they did—they did not have much power. So, how do we talk about? A lot of people want to frame the question uh, about gender and sexual violence as something as consent and absence of consent, and it's a cultural system actually, because what is consent in in um, in a patriarchy? Is it is it real if you do not even have the choice to? Not be a sexualized person. Then, uh, what 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 is consent? And so this this it's, so once I figured out uh, what why why the sexual marketplace will be completely different for these girls, I it was easy easy easier to write, and of course it's 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 as a writer reading this and oh god when you write a book you've got to read it so so many times (laughs) over and over again so writing it was was okay but reading it over and over again i was like why did you write all of these things (laughs) at the time it seemed like such a good idea i don't know (laughs) i think i think it's one of the mistakes that you make only once as a novelist I didn't count on how many times I'll write it. Just kidding. I, I I feel like every scene in that book served its purpose, which was to identify a cultural system of, of of exploitation and gender-based violence. And for you to know that there's a there's a wide net that has been cast. So it's not just these girls. It's everyone in that society, even the boys who are trapped in this in this cycle of of, of forcefully. Um, negotiating uh, uh, their sexuality constantly I I would like to believe that I wrote very very Nigerian scenes and I really wanted to write sexual sexual um, negotiations that were very Nigerian that in the sense that it could be ugly when it is and it could be incredibly
0: beautiful when it works out when it's fine I maybe I'm just stuck on this question because it is just something that I'm very curious about reading your book I was extremely curious about it about um writing violence you know sexual violence against women and having to read it over and over and over again for you as a, as a writer who is redrafting editing and re-editing and drafting and redrafting again what is what is that like for you I know you kind of like oh I wouldn't do that next but well, what is that
1: it's, it's intense that's that's the word i'll use It's intense and and and, and it's really not for everybody i i understand um readers who, who who choose to avoid reading things like that it's not for everybody but uh as as, as a writer i think our job is to do whatever serves the story but i'm not gonna say it's it was re-traumatizing for me in in um in some ways no i do not think that i think it was actually liberating in a way for me to write those things and take a step back and be like yes i I, i'm not crazy to think that this is wrong yeah this is what it looks like so you need to sometimes um show the ugliness of of um some of these situations to yourself actually as a reader and realize okay this is just as bad as i thought it was and so i think i was very um there was a bit of validation there for me to be able to finally um put down on the page for everyone to see um just the extent and and the depth of some of the things that i've always known about who we are and i think that it should be said that you've got to be very very careful when writing gender-based violence because the goal is not to titillate or to scandalize or uh, um, even just to make people uncomfortable because I find that sometimes writers just include some things for shock value. Uh, I I really hope that it doesn't come across that way because um, none of this, the scenes in this book that are difficult to read were trying to do any of those things. It was really about me forcing you I'm not giving you as a reader any opportunity to look away. It's so difficult, the choices you make when you, when you write um, stories like this. But I think it would be worse um, if I wrote something that left room for some ambiguity. If I wanted people to think that, oh, um, these girls have some type of power just because they're sexualized. And so, you know, and I wanted to make sure that it was clear, without a doubt, that even um, even the person who grows up and you know marries well in court isn't isn't really in charge of. She doesn't really have agency.
0: But I think that um, you also open up the ambiguities of agency, how we think that agency is agency is some form of absolute victory, but it isn't. You know, I I feel that from reading Black Sunday that you present agency as making the choice that works best for you in a bad situation at that time. And your agency changes all the time depending on the situation and how that situation morphs over time. And sometimes the choices that are made are not are neither moral. So you also bring up the question of morality. Um, and you also, there is so much theme in this book that I haven't even touched up. I'm like, where has time gone? We haven't touched about Christianity, how you how you talk about the overwhelming, suffocating, patriarchal stench in the practice of Christianity in Nigeria, and how you your 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 imagining of prosperity gospel as the new wave of um, 419 are fraudsters, <laughs> you know, the new ways of fraudsters, but you're not explicit. That is what I enjoyed when reading Black Sunday that it is a very subversive writing about decay, moral decay. It's about implosion, social implosion, religious implosion, family. Implosion and the way these people who are at the center of this implosion, how you can feel the palpable dread. You can feel this sense, the sense that they feel trapped in a difficult circumstance. The thing that I wasn't expecting in the writing, in the way you wrote Black Sunday, was the grandmother's character. How, in all kinds of fiction, folklore, storytelling, grandmothers are a place of comfort. Grandmothers are the ones whom you go to when your parents are getting your nurse. Grandmothers are nurturing, um, they're kind, they're homely, they, they elicit great memories in the minds of their, their grand progenies, right? But the grandmother in this book in Black Sunday, she's almost a villain. Even though she's not referenced a lot, she's not one of the primary characters. She is villainized. So why? And I, I, I'm asking you why a lot because there's a lot of, <laughs> <laughs> and yes. listeners, you can see me ra- if you could, you could see me raising my eyebrows at all. Like why? <laughs> <So> <laughs> why was it important to reimagine or refashion that character, this matriarch character?
1: Again, it's our, the question, the, the big question is how women survive. And so the mother will, will finds that she has to run away to escape. And the grandmother who is just so heartbroken by, uh, I mean, she, she's old, she's raised this, this child of us, He's, he's got married, he's had kids. And one day he just decides I'm done with these children and And so so, so, the grandmother is at broken because she's been abandoned and and if you if you you know how what it means to have a son in in Africa and in your old age, and then the time that you were counting on for him to you know take care of you, he decides not only am I not taking care of you, I'm going to give you a lot more work and so that was where my um, depiction of the grandmother character came in. I, I I saw somebody who was so ill-equipped to deal with children at this stage in her life, and she was just so sad. And so I know. And again, I think it's something very Nigerian that sadness comes across as anger and and, and rage. But I, I I think I wrote her as as a sad character, and I think there are moments of tenderness there where. Uh, she secretly reveals to the children as as we go along that she's just she's just really sad, and as children get older and she starts to get over uh, uh, uh abandonment, we see that she 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 really cares about about these kids. So, and again, it's something about it's also busting the myth around poverty. And There's a very Western myth about poor, poor people are so happy. And they're just so content with what they have. And as a Nigerian, i found that that is more often not the case. Poverty, uh, especially in in a country like Nigeria, where uh, there's such a wide gap between the rich and the poor, poverty can make people very cruel and very wicked and very, I'm just so angry. Um, And and so that's, again, that's where that comes that character came from
0: I asked you to pick a song that captures the reception of Black Sunday and you picked
1: so this Nigerian musician Tenny um, Tenny the entertainer she has a story called um, oh, a story. she has a song called Uyomayo uh-huh. Everybody's going Yeah Yeah If only you just believe to see yeah yeah do you worry about she took this very old traditional um very its a dialect of yoruba it's not popular yoruba um song and and it just means that i have Rejoiced and celebrate, celebrated with other people. Now it's my turn to celebrate, and I feel that way about the reception of my book. In in the sense that you know, uh, it's it's the reception, the the reviews. Um, I I'm just so proud of of uh, of how. I won't, should I say the critics love it? I don't know. <laughs> I think about it uh, that way. I mean, I don't think that like uh, there's anything about like a, a universally liked story. But so far, um, some of the things I like best about the book, I found so many of the reviews liked it as well. And so I think it's, it's such a
0: celebration for me being active on Instagram or Bookstagram, the reading corner of Instagram, I saw Black Sunday just being posted on the timeline all the time because Black Sunday came out in February 2020, had COVID not happened I thought that this was a book that people would be talking about a lot and then that you would be in the UK for the launch of the UK edition of the book and I just I you know how has I'm so pleased that you've talked about the reception and that you're pleased at the positive reviews that the book has been getting but I also want to talk about you know the impact of the pandemic the COVID pandemic on the traction of um, Black Sunday has that affected your um, the traction of the book. How has that has that put a halt on um, your you know the 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 visibility of the book? And what ways can readers support and amplify this book? Because I think they should.
1: Thank you. Uh, yeah, I think of course um, buy rent. I mean, tell your libraries to to buy it, even if you can't buy it. I haven't spoken. I haven't asked my publishers for sales numbers yet, or any of those things. But I, I think that um, a lot of the sales of books like mine, that are not like bestsellers and stuff, are from libraries, public libraries, school libraries, and thanks to the pandemic, all of those things shut down big time. And 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 now, and so many books. were supposed to come out like during the summer i've been pushed to the fall as well so it it does feel in some way that my book uh, kind of flew over the the under the radar in terms of sales and um something someone told me that um well it's a good thing that a book doesn't have an expiry date and um, your readers will find you eventually so yeah so i'm hoping for that actually but yes i I think anyone especially somebody who's a first-time novelist, anyone who had a book released um, during this pandemic is, is, is really dealing with some uh, dismal, disappointing sales numbers right now, I think. And, and also, I feel like um, something else will be to just um, give a, a generous, <laughs> I mean, if you feel good about the book, Please leave a review somewhere on amazon on the you know, good readers I find that sometimes the most the people that the book is not for are the loudest <laughs> in, in to give <laughs> reviews i <laughs> know I'm not saying that I'm not saying that not want, you know people shouldn't read my book but I really um, love it when I, I i i get feedback from the from I shouldn't say black women, just black women. But you know, when you know when the, who the book is for, the reader that the book is for, somebody who has experienced any of the intersections, like you were just talking about uh, patriarchy, religion, you know, family life. Uh, when 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 those people, so I'm hoping that anyone who's read it and thinks the book is for them could leave a review for you know somebody else that the book is for to find the book. So. So that's the
0: way, another way to support. I asked you to pick a book that you would recommend to people who enjoyed Black Sunday, but they wish to further explore its themes and pair the book that you pick, that you would recommend to them, pair the book with a song. So which book did you pick and which song did you pair it with? Um, I picked this book that I
1: really liked and, and it's also because it has twin sisters whose um uh, whose paths diverge as they get older, and it's The Vanishing Off by Brit Bennett. I and, and it was a book that I was so glad and I was so blessed to read before it came out. And I was like, oh my god, this this book is gonna be so so big. And 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 so if anyone hasn't read it yet, please go read it because it's also set very very strongly in its time and and, and it's and it's not trying to do anything else but just tell the story it's telling which is it just built a very it built a very complete world um in that era and also the song for me was um, beyonce and you we know
0: say yeah.
1: tonight I might fall in love depending on how you owe me Glad that I'm calming down. Can't let no one come control me. Keep dancing and call it love. She fights about falling slowly. If ever you are in
0: doubt, remember what Mama told me. Brown
1: skin girl,
0: that skin just like her. And I, I
1: don't know. I just, I just like the song. <laughs> I think it's connected because you know we're talking about brown skin girls and mm. the, the different ways we about skin color and just being a, a black, a dark skinned woman in the world. Um, of course, because we know that this book, The Vanishing Off has to do with colorism. Mm-hmm. And, and, and also, um, I just think just this ode to black womanhood, and and, and that's this intersection between my book and, and um, Brit Bennett's book.
0: Do you know there is a lot of books about twins at the moment? So you have Brick Bennett, you have your book, and then um, The Deep Blue Between by Aisha Harunata. These are books about twins. Please, why? Why are twins so popular? At the- uh, why twins?
1: Well, I, I don't know. <laughs> I haven't read that book, but I think it's, it's a psychological curiosity. We, um, if we want to prove that... Um, nature is bigger than nurture or nurture is greater than then we find people who are exactly the same and we introduce them to (laughs) the same set of circumstances and see how they turn up at least that was my um, experiment to prove to you that (laughs) twins can grow up in the same set of circumstances and end up very different people even though they are identical and i and i and i think also um britt bennett's experiment was also that the pull of society versus sisterhood mm. if twins couldn't survive uh being friends and, and and even the same race because of what it means to be um black in, in society then we, we've got to acknowledge how powerful racism can be
0: Tala, thank you so, so much for your time. I've thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. Honestly, thank you so much for writing this book. I think that there are certain books that you read where, because of subject matter, we take books on a surface level, right? You're reading subject matter, so you engage with it on a surface level. But when you think about it, when you give it time to simmer and to think and to sort of settle, you realise that Black Sun is a very complex book, and you have done, in my opinion, an excellent work in writing um, in writing the other story. Not the other, but you're writing another story. You're writing a story that is seemingly familiar in a different way, and I think that you are calling the reader to to think deeply about what is not being said. Um because I couldn't help I I I think even your choice to have a young person to have the voice sort of um change over time, how at the beginning the writing is very like short, sharp, sweet. And as time goes on, the sentences are a bit more loose and a bit more opened so we see how the, char- the characters not just grow over time we see how their self-representation evolves over time as well so it's a very it's a very intentionally written work and I thank you for it and it gives the reader a lot to think about so thank you so so much for your time and I really appreciate you Thank you for listening to today's episode. I sincerely, deeply and truly appreciate you for the time you have taken to listen to Tala talk about her amazing book, Black Sunday. The book is available for purchase online and in your local bookshop. Once again, do me a huge favour, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on your favourite podcast listening platform and more importantly, rate the podcasts leave a review of the podcast preferably five star rating and preferably positive review of the podcast on apple Podcasts and all your favorite podcast listening platforms so that other people can discover us and engage in great conversation that centers writings by black writers and people of african descent thank you so much have a most excellent week and i will see you next time